0: Three, two, one, go. Sinners and Saints, dust off those horns and halos. It's time for Alan after dark. Sinners and Saints, I have somehow pulled a muscle in my ass. I can't explain it. It wasn't from being pounded by some hot young guy. I wasn't doing a, a tickle 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 with some twink somewhere. I wasn't riding high cowboy. I have just pulled my ass muscle. I don't know if I did it while I was sleeping or if I took a, a stair step the wrong way. But I'll tell you right now, it hurts like hell. I mean, I think it's as bad as having a a pulled muscle in my back. I mean, literally, my gluteus maximus has become a gluteus minimus. That kind of reminds me. Speaking of gluteus maximus, what do you guys think about Bo Butler? The current hot muscle power bottom in male porndom. Isn't he just about the sexiest, perverted man around right now? I mean, he is beautiful to look at. He has that fine ass, that face, just a great body. And he takes more loads than you haul. What? Uh, what the hell? Seriously, have you watched that scene between Bo and Chris Damned and Malik Delgati? My God and baby Jesus, help us all. That is... One of the hottest scenes I have seen in porn in a long time. Just fucking hot as hell. It's so hot that it singed not only my pubic hair, but my nose hairs too. And probably some of the hair off my ass. It's just an amazing sweat-filled pig fest that just turns me inside out. And I think that's probably a good segue into tonight's discussion. This week is Southern Decadence in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I think I'm going to talk about New Orleans, and hopefully those of you who are going to Decadence this week will be listening to this episode of Allen After Dark and get you ready to go for your adventures in the Big Easy. Now, I'm sure some people are asking the question, what exactly is Southern Decadence? And, well... A quick definition would be is that Southern Decadence, which is held in New New Orleans, is a gay, an LGBTQIA celebration around Labor Day weekend that is a celebration of debauchery, letting your inhibitions go, expressing yourself in sexual ways, in whatever ways that might even be deemed immoral, but still legal. It's not break that rule but it is about unleashing the primal urges you have and expressing yourself it is debauchery from what I understand and while I've never been to southern decadence I have been to New Orleans to Mardi Gras a couple of times I can tell you that the city the big easy is just this place that has a magical feeling to it that just makes you want to release all those inhibitions and be free. Forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think I am. The history of Southern decadence, believe I believe, goes back to like the early 70s, around 1972. And I believe it, it really was about a dressing up kind of party where you came as your favorite Southern decadent, whatever that might mean. I could think of a few people that were from the South that would fall into that category. Most of them whores, me being one of them. But, you know, I can't judge everybody because I'd be judging myself. Look in the mirror, right? And, you know, it's always referred to as the gay Mardi Gras. And even though I've not been to Southern Decadence, I view the regular Mardi Gras as gay Mardi Gras as well. New Orleans is even more than that. It is a place to feel free. The music's incredible. The people are incredible. The atmosphere is simply beyond description. Just a full-on celebration of life, love, lust, whatever. And let's not forget the food. Just an amazing heritage in that city. And I do believe Southern Decadence is pretty much celebrated primarily in the French Quarter, which is where a lot of the celebrations happen. And before I go any further, Let me just say this, Chadwick, I know you're listening to this episode, and no, the Big Easy wasn't named after me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, after addressing that issue, let's take a trip back in time to some of the adventures I had in the Big Easy. You know, I should clarify that while the Big Easy isn't named after me, if you were to have a hurricane, the drink, not Katrina, pretty much everybody becomes the Big Easy. My first time in New Orleans, that first experience driving into the French Quarter, and I should say this too, I don't think you can get around the uh, fact that New Orleans is a very steamy, hot place. a a majority of the year. And with that heat and, and humidity, the smell of stale beer can be quite ripe in the French Quarter. And that is my first, very first experience, my first memory of stepping into the French Quarter was that smell. Thankfully, it didn't turn me against the city because There was a whole lot of man meat to smell after that. I can smell it to this day, that unique, drunken, sweaty smell that at first was repulsive, but now pretty close to giving me a boner. But that's more about what that memory led to, so. So my first experience that first day, I think, honestly, I can say that I was very much intimidated. The city felt aggressive. It felt beyond wild. It was crazy. Titties flopping here, dicks and balls bouncing there, guys walking down wearing nothing but a jog strap, that guy peeing on the other guy's shoes. It was just like, how does this happen? I mean, it was like, well, I guess if Sodom and Gomorrah were U.S. cities, one of them would be located right there in New Orleans. I think it just took some getting used to, and with my personality, especially the friends that know me, I have to test the water for a couple of seconds, you know, and I guess primarily when you're used to living in the Bible Belt, and I guess people might argue that New Orleans is part of the Bible Belt, I would disagree. There are people in the city that attempt to make it part of the Bible Belt, but there's too many people that want to have fun to allow that to happen. So... From the areas of the Bible Belt where I'm from, you find yourself on guard no matter where you are, and you're hesitant at first to jump in until you're sure that, well, first of all, you won't get beaten by somebody, and second of all, you won't be arrested by the police. Once that happens, I think when you realize that you can really be free, I think that's when the city really does take over and can make you just exhilarated it is I wish I could really reflect the magic of the city so anyway the th- first thing after that scent of of New Orleans well well I was with friends in on that first trip obviously getting there at 10 o'clock in the morning and everybody's drinking and crazy right off the bat I'm like we need to get a drink and I really wanted a margarita and it blew me away that they had margarita stands like you would have a lemonade stand. And it was incredible. I thought it was the most amazing thing that you could drink open container on the streets of the French Quarter. But to me, it makes sense. I would rather have drunk people walking on the streets than I would ever want them behind a steering wheel. So to me, it it was a whole lot more logical to allow people to drink while walking up and down the streets. Not that you could drive anyway with hundreds of thousands of people everywhere, most of them naked. We start with the drinks. And I was like, I, re- I remember very clearly getting the first drink and the, the guy says uh, $12. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? One drink? Then he plopped the cup down and I'm like, okay, it's like a barrel. So sure, I can, I can drink that. And so with a couple of drinks in, you know, you're sweating profusely as well in that heat. So as much as you're consuming you're sweating out some, so there's almost a balance there. And getting the buzz on, you become more inclined to want to indulge like everyone else is. Hopefully not collapse from dehydration. Let me add right here that the weeks before our vacation in New Orleans, there were people here in Tennessee, friends of mine, who kept warning me about the dangers of New Orleans, that you could get robbed, murdered, etc. And they just kept impressing upon me that it was a a more dangerous place than other cities. And so that was always in the back of my mind as well. And I I know my friends were just looking out for me, but it, it almost felt like I had been conditioned to believe that you were gonna get shot or robbed in town. But that could happen anywhere. That could happen in any city around the world. And I've been to some very large cities on this planet. And yes, they are just as dangerous as any other city. That fear that was impressed upon me from other people, it it was in the back of my mind most of that first couple of days, even when drinking. So, But honestly, have you ever actually been to New Orleans if you don't see someone throw up outside a window or almost on you? I'm just saying. So in witnessing all these people just indulging in sexual behavior, I being the curious person that I am, started to test those waters. You know, in Mardi Gras, you are trying to get beads. You want people to give you beads. And one of the things people would say, well, show me something. If you're flashing your Wing Dang Deagle, your Wing Dang Doodle, hopefully you'll get beads. And the idea is that the beads you get, you trade with other people. I become very good at showing off the wing dang doodle. Okay, if you're all idiots and don't know what wing dang doodle is, I'm talking about my dick. And at one point, we had this competition to see who could get the most beads within a given time. And like one of my friends, he had about 10 strands. Another friend had about 12. And uh, me, I had about 14 pounds worth. I had to take a set back to the hotel room and come back and get more. And I'll have to just say that I had a, a fucking blast, not only showing off my own privates, but looking at all the others. And as day goes into night, the debauchery just gets greater. So we were mostly out on the French Quarter, out on Bourbon Street, but there was a bar the last time I was there the last two times I was there there was a bar there called Oz and I don't think Oz is there anymore and that really does kind of break my heart because that was my go-to place I just thought it was amazing it had like triple doors on two sides and you'd walk in and there would be male strippers on the bar and they would be full ass naked and not a slouch in the bunch. Every one of them would be worth a finger binger, if you know what I mean. And I'm not talking about just a 20-pound rutabaga. That may have sound silly, but that really was a Golden Girls quote. And I am drinking vodka, so just deal with it. Yes, I am, so get over it. So one of the things that I got into was that there was there were two of the strippers that I just Mm, I just thought that they were hot as fuck. And so my attention was spent a lot of time, you know, giving them dollar bills or more and sitting back and drinking. But let me end on a little, a little secret here, boys and girls. This works not only in a bar, but it works in restaurants and other businesses, too. When we went into Oz, I picked the bartender that I wanted to go to. And I continuously went to him when I wanted another drink. Constantly going back to that one specific one and tipping well. What happens is as that bartender recognizes you as a good customer and you get even better service and you get even better drinks a lot of times. And I'll give you an example. I want to segue here. Our bartender, even if I was somewhere else, I would go back into Oz and get a drink from him and the next day Oz was lined up I mean I think it was 15 deep eating each line and we got in line we were being nice but our bartender saw us I looked over and waved at him he went back and he held up two drinks and he waved us on and we went straight up and he gave us our drinks he let us break line and the guy that he was waiting on or hadn't waited on yet was mad and he said what the fuck man why are they getting their drinks and he just looked at him and said because they tip motherfucker (laughs) and I just thought it was hilarious so just a little bit of advice find your bartender be faithful to them be good to them and they will be good to you so having said that well let's just say strippers are the same way okay You appreciate them. You appreciate their beauty. You appreciate their sexiness and the way they smell. Jesus Christ. Oh, that one was so hot. What happens is, is that you can make a connection, even if it's just for friendship. I had been flirting with them off and on all day. We would go to some place to eat and come back. We would party there, party somewhere else, but always come back and always ringing dollar bills. So, it was getting, well, you know, up until about 10 or 11 o'clock, maybe midnight. And my favorite stripper, he was taking a break. So he jumps down off the bar. He is wearing basically a Speedo type, but it would be off most of the time. But he was wearing a Speedo. And he just come over to us and he said, why don't y'all come upstairs with us? I'm going out onto the uh, the deck upstairs and just hang out with us while we look down on Bourbon Street. And I'm like, hell yeah, we'll go. And so we're up there. <laughs> And uh, a little bit of flirtation happened, a little bit of jacking, uh, you know. uh, He liked to be fluffed because he wanted to keep it hard for potential customers and tippers. Anyway, basically, he had to go back to work dancing. And I told him, well, we're not leaving. We'll be here for hours still. And we were going to stay up on the, the upper deck there, the deck looking over Bourbon Street. Well, across the street was another bar. I think it was called Parade. Forgive me if I'm wrong on that. And we were flirting with guys over there on that side when all of a sudden, okay, let me just say this. Then I was wearing, I would, you know, I'm a person who likes to wear jeans and I would wear a t-shirt or a tank top or whatever, but I always wear baseball caps. For whatever reason, of course, everybody in the free world on Bourbon Street during the Mardi Gras celebrations, everybody's drunk or getting there. Anyway, I'm leaning over on the railing, looking down at Bourbon Street, flirting with the guys, throwing down beads at the guys who are showing their dicks, when just out of the blue, somebody from from the street yells up and pointing at me, saying, that's Mark McGuire. And if you don't know who Mark McGuire is, Mark McGuire is a baseball player from the 80s and early 90s who was a muscle guy. He was a ginger. Unfortunately, though, uh, he got muscular because of steroids and performance-enhancing drugs, but he still was a hot motherfucker, if you know what I mean. I'm like, are y'all crazy? I'll yell back down. Are y'all crazy? My legs aren't as big as his arms. All of a sudden, I started getting pelted with beads, and I'm like, oh, well, what the hell? The other stripper that I was flirting with, he got off... He was taking a break and he comes up to me and he goes, well, goddamn, are you really Mark McGuire? And I'm like, well, hell yeah, I am. Well, he's like, come with me. And holy shit, that was one hell of a blowjob I got from that motherfucker. He was hot as fuck too. So he got a good one too. Like I said, I'm a slut. You can call me a whore. I didn't do it for money. I did it for beads. So anyway, one of my favorite sets of beads came from that stripper when I came back home, I was showing some of my friends the beads, and and one of my most straight-laced, straight friends was like, oh, these are really cool, and I'm like, you don't want to know what I did to get those. You know, I wonder now. I never did tell him that I wasn't Mark McGuire, so there's a stripper, most likely a former stripper now, living in New Orleans, thinking that he blew Mark McGuire, who... I'm fairly certain is not gay. He's straight. Uh, he's in love with himself. And he did wear jock jockstraps. So, you know, that's a sign, right? Unfortunately for him, you know, with the steroids and stuff, even if he wanted to blow himself, it wouldn't reach. You know, shrinkage. <laughs> but seriously... I had the hots for Mark McGuire when he was playing pro baseball. I would have done him in a heartbeat. Actually, I'd probably still do him, you know, but what can I say? I like baseball players. Always have, always will. It was baseball players watching them in all their glory with their hands in their pants, adjusting their cups, etc. They were my inspiration to get my first jock strap, and I like wearing jocks now, and I have to, to give them credit, including someone like Mark McGuire, who filled out his uniform to the point of being almost appearing like the Incredible Hulk. And because he didn't wear any other underwear besides a jock, you could see the lines very clearly, and that was ample enough visuals to encourage masturbation, you know? But I've only, basically, I've just gotten started on my stories. So this will have to be just a a couple of stories today. And we'll do another Mardi Gras episode probably in the future, probably several of them. But I also want to talk about the flip side of that. When I mentioned that New Orleans doesn't feel like the Bible Belt There are a lot of these religious groups who I don't know necessarily that they're actually from New Orleans. They could be from other parts of Louisiana, but they really are hell bent on disrupting the celebrations. They want to act like they are morally superior to everybody else and that they have the right to stop anyone else from having a good time. Isn't that like the the uh, one of the cornerstones of religion? And I think it's, it's such the ultimate brutality, if that's the right word to use. Sorry, the vodka's kicking in. But in their religion, so their God created humans, created men and women, and built in this natural pleasure, the orgasm, that is one of the most amazing feelings, and then says, according to them, these religious people, well, you can't enjoy that. You have to be married. It can only be done for the purposes of procreation. Well, you know what? That's bullshit. If there is a God, and even if there's not, nature intended for us to have that feeling and to enjoy it, to indulge in it, whether it's in a bed in a hotel room or a back alley in the French Quarter of New Orleans who gives a fuck but them and they are only trying to control other people and I'll give you the best example so this was on it was Fat Tuesday Bourbon Street, the French Quarter were packed they were busier than ever That I mean I, you just couldn't imagine the swarm of people and it was, it was hot but it was fun I was having an amazing time and there is this group of men that are lined up, their arms are on the person's shoulders in front of them, and they're a long line, create, creating their own form of a parade, almost like some sort of battering ram. They're going to come right down Bourbon Street and disrupt the parade or just the celebrations. And they were booed and everything else. And one of the guys, I don't know, I was just right there, kind of got swept up into this protest of theirs. And I got into one of the guys' face, and I was challenging them uh, on certain scriptures in the Bible, in particular, the love story of King David and Jonathan, Saul's son. And I I was confronting him about it, saying, well, what about them? Even the Bible says that David loved Jonathan more than he loved women. And there's there's a verse in the Bible that describes an emotional reunion that... Through interpretation, I believe, meant that David, in this embrace, had an orgasm. He came in his, whatever they wore, pants, robe, kilt, I don't know what, his whatever. And he said, look, man, I'm sorry I'm doing this, but honestly... This is the only way I can get down here. And if you will kind of follow me down to the end of this protest, uh, I'll blow you. We'll go around the side of the building and I'll blow you if you want. This is the only way I can get away from my wife and get down here. She thinks that I'm protesting against you people and all these other guys that I go to church with. They'll say that I was here with them protesting. But when I get a chance, I just want to blow you. And you know damn well I took him up on that. There's some kind of mental satisfaction of having someone like that, the hypocrite, but also a closet case, which I can sympathize a little bit. Okay, I can sympathize a lot a bit about that. But giving him a banana rama, you know, and that mental part of sexuality, there's a power element, the emotional side of it. And that's part of the fantasy, is it not? Knowing that there was a guy that was supposedly this really religious guy who was there to interfere and prevent us from having fun. When all he wanted to do was kick up his heels and grab his ankles, you know, and giving him a hot flesh injection from the old pork sword was very satisfying. (gasps) But I have to wonder about that, too, you know. If he's from the area, New Orleans is ready, willing, and able 24-7. It is one of the craziest, wildest towns, so he could have ventured off into the city anytime he wanted to. And now with the hookup apps, if you so choose, it would be even easier. So maybe I was lied to a little bit there, but you know what? The key was is that I got my rocks off, and that was the key point, Right. Right damn i only got to two stories in this episode and we're already at the 30 minute mark and i have hundreds more to tell i guess those will just have to wait for another day thank you for joining me for another episode of Alan After Dark I hope you've had fun I hope you've been as entertained as I have by telling you these stories remember take life by the balls and be decadent we'll see you soon